going to jump into uh, one of my favorite topics, right? Financial health. Amen. Financial health. I love talking about financial health because it is the will of God that everyone be in the body of Christ be healthy financially. Amen. Now, I said last week, I says everybody's not going to be a multimillionaire, right? And that's not our goal as Christians. Our goal as Christians is to make sure first that our heart and soul are right so that when we close these eyes that we'll see Jesus. But God, while you're here on earth, does not want you drowning in debt or living in poverty. He wants you living in abundance, right? And everybody's definition of abundance is different, and we're going to jump into that. Um, there are some people who just, you know, they're fine with just having just the status quo, but, and that's fine too. And there's some people who God wants to bless in abundance so that they can go out and be a blessing. And we're going to look, making sure that our motive is right, right, with wanting God to bless us, right? God does not want us to hoard or to be greedy and have stuff just to have stuff, right? But to be a blessing to other people. Amen? Amen. And we're going to look at this in Scripture. Uh, of course, we're going to start off with this uh, book of Romans, chapter 12, uh, verse number 2. And this is our text Scripture, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Man, this world has some patterns that we got to break. <laughs> they have some patterns we got to break. He says, but be transformed by how? How are you transformed? By the renewing. That mind, man, that mind. That mind in its setting, that mind is stubborn. Mind is stubborn. There was a group of people called the people of Israel that I told you last week that God was ready to kill because they wouldn't change their mind. They were stuck in an Egyptian mindset. So we're talking about that mind is huge, but you can't be transformed unless your mind is renewed. Then, 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 only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. What is his will? Three things. It is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. Ooh, that's my favorite part. It is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. That is the will of God. Amen? Let's look at the scripture that we're going to be uh, focusing on for today in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9 through 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Some people say, Pastor, I ain't got no wealth. You got some money somewhere. No matter how little, how, how big it is, you got some wealth somewhere. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns, then, then. You see that? Then, this is conditional, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. He says, when you honor the Lord, and we're going to dig into this over these next 15, 20 minutes, when you honor the Lord with your wealth, now back then they had the crops and they had cattle and they had all these things which represented their wealth. Today, I don't know, maybe you have cattle. If you have some cattle, we're going to give God some cattle. But most, most likely you got some, some Washingtons and Hamiltons and Grants and Jacksons and uh, laying around, right? Uh, that becomes a symbol of our wealth. And he talks about honoring God with our wealth so that what our bonds will overflow and it will increase. So today we're just going to look at the seven habits for financial health. Seven habits for financial health. And as I told you uh, last week, I'm trying my best to make this as practical as possible, right? And not overly spiritualize it, but back it up with scripture, but give you practical steps that when you walk out of here, you can apply them and they are applicable. Amen? 
I think that's really, really, really important to see true transformation and change. So that's what I want to try to stick to today. Seven habits. Now, we talk about habits, right? Because you can have poverty uh, patterns that have been passed down from generation to generation, right? Uh, unless you uh, grew up in a family that had good financial habits, it's hard for you to pick up new habits because you only do what you learn. What you've seen done, this is how my mama had money, my grandpa saved money, whatever it was, this is how they did it, and that's how you, that's how you know how to do it. You don't know any other way. Uh, but you have to break those habits and get new information, renewed mind, in order to create new patterns. Amen? And so, what better place to find new patterns in the Word? I mean, let's just go straight to the book, the source of all great patterns, right? Uh, so, <laughs> number one, I must trust God as his two words, my source and supplier. I must trust God as my source and supplier. I know that sounds like it should be obvious, but it is not. I must trust God as my source and my supplier. Your job is not your source. Your job is not your source. Amen? God is your source. He gave you the job. Amen? So look at the scripture in Philippians 4, 19. You may want to write that scripture down. And my God will liberally, this is the amplified version, supply, filled to the full, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's good stuff. My God shall liberally, I like it because God is not stingy. He's not stingy, right, with his stuff. He's not stingy. He wants to liberally supply. But it means that it is not his will to withhold any good thing the Bible says from you. It is not his will to do that. He wants to be a blessing to you, fill to the fill, your every need according to his riches. Now you think about how wealthy heaven is, and he says, hey, I want to make sure that your needs are filled according to my riches, not your riches. Now this is a big difference. If he was filling your need according to Pastor Andre's uh, riches, you, <laughs> we'd be in some big trouble here today. But he says, no, 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 I'm not doing it according to his riches or your parents' riches or your job's riches, but according to my riches in glory, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I mean, if you just use your imagination a little bit, that's a pretty vast resource that he says that. He says, when I, when I look to fulfill what you need, I don't look at what you have. I look at what I have. Man, come on. When I look to fulfill your need, I don't look at what you have, I look at what I have. I mean, that alone right there, you could just pack up, sow your seed, and go on home. Because that, that, I mean, if, if you live off that one thing alone, that, but see, but watch this. The enemy does not want you to know this. He wants you to think that struggle is a part of your problem. I'm going through, I'm struggling, I'm struggling for Jesus. I never saw that in Scripture. I don't have to struggle for Jesus. He became poor so that I may be rich, the Bible says. It says that. He became poor that I may be rich. He wants to supply your every need according not to your resources, but according to his resources in heaven. Look at the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19. But you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you what? Power to get wealth, not to receive, but to get. Now, we talk about supplying need is one thing, but becoming wealthy is another thing. Can I help you? Supplying need is one thing. He says, I will supply your need. Liberally, I supply your need. But when you talk about building wealth, he gives you wealth. He gives you the ability and the power to go and get wealth. 
That means that God will give you an idea. He'll give you, the Bible says, witty inventions. He'll give you business concepts. He'll give you, he'll allow you to see a hole in the market that you feel that you have the need to fulfill. We're talking about building wealth. He says he who gives you power to build, to get wealth, that he may, here, here's the purpose, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is in this day. The Bible's always past and present, this day and future, this day. So he says, God doesn't want to make you wealthy so you can pull up in church and say, I got a new Bentley, look what God did. He says, I, I, God want to make you wealthy so that what, he can continue to establish what? His covenant. That's a whole different perspective on wealth because the prosperity message has kind of taken over and it seems like we want money just to be greedy for ourselves. He said, no, no, no. You want to be wealthy so that you can continue to finance the kingdom of God so I can establish my covenants. There's work that needs to be done, but guess what? I don't care how spiritual you are, it takes money to do the work. Amen. This mic sounds nice, but money keeps this mic going. Those lights are nice, and Rob's up there singing nice all acoustically, but money did all that. <laughs> Right? It takes money. People don't like to say that in church, but it takes money to do those things. Why? Because we are establishing his covenant. We are continuing to establish a covenant. So you got to make sure your motives are right when you want God to bless you financially. Amen? Amen? Number two, I must keep good records. So one, I must believe and know that God is my supplier and my source. And number two, here's a practical thing, I must keep good records. If I was to ask somebody how much debt you in, I don't know. You got to know. You got to know how much bills you pay a month. You got to keep record how much your income is, how much is going out, how much is coming in. That's basic stuff that you have to know. Let's look at this scripture here. Hey, there's a scripture for that. Let's look at this. He said this in Proverbs 27 and 23. Uh, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. He said, hey, uh, you got to know how much flocks you have. You got to know how many cows you have. Uh, 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 you know, come on, Rob. You got to know how many cows you're holding at, at, down there in Philly. You know, you got three cows. <laughs> you you got to know what you have. He says, keep good records. Be diligent to know. What, one of the most powerful ways to get out of debt is to write down your debts. Know how many credit cards you have. Know how much you owe for each creditor because you can't put your faith towards believing God for something that you have no idea what it is. So when Ray and I made a commitment to get out of debt, one thing that we did was we wrote down all our credit cards, all our debt, what we owed Discover, what we owed this person, what we owed that person. Man, the numbers got scarier and scarier, but Sister Renee, we kept writing them down, and that way we kept believing God and said, we thank you for debt cancellation. And every time we stood in faith for that, God will add some more money to us. Not so, we got extra money to go out and eat. Now, <laughs> the, the increase is so you can get rid of your debts. Oh, y'all are quiet today. I know, I know. Be a good record keeper. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks, what you have coming in and what you have going out. Know what your net worth is. All right? Number three, give the first 10% back to God. No biblical principle will work unless you are a consistent tither. Notice I said the word consistent tither. Consistent tither. Tither, if you got to eat franks and beans for dinner, don't hold the 10%. Give God what belongs to him. Why? Because he blows on the rest of the 90. Look at this scripture. 
Scripture says in Deuteronomy 14 and 23, bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place that he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and your herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to what? Put God first in your lives. That's good stuff. You always hear me saying, I say this every week, I say, Uncle Sam does not ask you permission to take out your taxes. He doesn't even trust you to get it into your hands and take it out. They take it out for you. Your job takes that out for you. Your retirement, take it out for you. Whatever it is, it takes it out for you. Here it is, God says, I trust to put it in your hands, but I trust you to give, put it back into my hands. And he says, when you're doing it, tithing is not about money. It's about what? Teaching you to always put God first. All the church wanted about money. That's what the enemy wants you to think. Right? He wants you to think it's about money. It's not about money. It's about putting God first. Are you hearing me? Be a consistent tither. Be a consistent tither. That means that I don't tithe based upon what I need. I tithe based upon what I have in my hand, and I give God that 10% first because it belongs to him. The last thing I want to do is hold something that belongs to God. I mean, you think, you think holding a mobster's money is bad. Man, you don't, he says, when you hold God's money, he says, you put your money in pockets that have holes. And Malachi, he said that. He says, you put your money in pockets that have holes. Why? Because that's the world system. He says, but God has created a system that if you give what belongs to him, he's going to bless you. The scripture in Proverbs 3 and 9, verse 10 says, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. So when we talk about giving, it is not about dollars and cents. You are honoring God. Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labor. Now, if you're a drug dealer, we don't want your money. <laughs> it says righteous labor. Righteous <laughs> And with the first fruits of all, all, that first fruits represents that 10%, all of your income. So shall your storage places. As a result of you doing this, your storage Places will be filled with plenty, and your vats shall be overflowed with new wine. I mean, it doesn't get any more simpler than that. I mean, that's right there in your face. Honor the Lord with your capital. And what? And sufficiency. And with the first fruits of your income. He says it belongs to him. I love teaching on finances because it's always extra quiet when you teach on money. When you teach on money, it gets, everybody gets quiet. But guess what? These things are not put in the word to keep you in bondage, but they're there to free you. To free you. And if you learn to become a consistent tither, I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. Number four, save and invest for the future. Number four, so now that you're a consistent tither, right? You're giving God the first fruits. Every penny that comes to your hand, you make sure that 10% belongs to God. And you always hear me say, he could have asked for 80%. He could have asked for 50%. And man, we would have had a backslidden church because everybody would have been messed up, right? I mean, we fighting with the 10%. My goodness. Imagine if God said, give me 50%. Now, you know, the government, I mean, you get taxed on like 30, 35%. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the more money you make, guess what happens? The more they tax you. I mean, if you haven't made any money lately, just keep making it, and they're going to keep taxing you more and more and more. And if you start a business, forget it. They definitely want to tax you more and tax you more, right? That, that's how that broken system works. 
But God says when you give him the 10% that he blesses you and he increases what you have. Save for the future. There's a scripture for this. Proverbs 21 and 20 says the wise man saves for, wow, the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Yes, paycheck to paycheck. He says that's foolish. That's foolish. He says don't spend whatever you get. The wise person saves for the future. And I love it because, you know, I used to hear people say, I'm not saving because Jesus is on his way back. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yes, he is on his way back. I, 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 listen, but no man knows the day nor the hour. And then the Bible also says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The Bible says that. So when I die, I want my kids to cry and smile at the same time. That while they are weeping, they are crying, daddy's gone, but I know daddy took care of her. Like, they're going to start thinking and that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that frown's going to turn to a smile, Sister Gail. And, and, and by then, God bless me that I'll be able to see my grandchildren. My grandchildren are going to be so happy. I know grandpapa took care of us. We hate to see him go, but my goodness, I know he was a Bible-believing man. <laughs> and if he was a Bible-believing man, he left us some inheritance. Right? Because the wise man saves. The wise man saves. The wise man saves. So you have all different kind of things. I'm going to go through that in a minute. You have 401ks, all kind of investments that you can invest in when it comes to saving. But make sure that you are saving. Make sure that you are saving. And don't spend whatever you get. The Bible says that is what? Foolish to spend whatever you got. Right? So you may, listen, have to eat, uh, you know, some, some cheaper meals for a little while, but have a plan. Put it together. Your objective is to what? Be debt-free. Look at the scripture in Proverbs 24 and 27. First plant your fields, then build your barns. Right? Plant first, then build. When you save, you are planting. Because that saving money, hopefully, is going to grow up to become something worthwhile. But we like to build barns first, and then we have nothing to put in. So that's like saying, we're gonna, let's, let's go shopping first, and we're worried about planting later. <laughs> I'm trying to modernize this for you. Those shoes are so bad. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Plant first. Build barns later. <laughs> right? And, and you got to be disciplined. you got to be disciplined. There's a level of discipline that you have to have uh, to make sure that you're walking this out. So we want to make sure that you are living that. So we talk about... Um, Saving, saving is an important part of making sure that you are financially stable. Number five, have a plan to get out of debt. Have a plan to get out of debt. I know we believe Jesus is going to get me out of debt and you keep spending. That's not how this goes. This is not. <laughs> Lord, get me out of debt. What are you going to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? You know you ain't got no money. You're going to put on the credit. You're going to put on the credit card. That's not the will of God. Come on, I, I, I mean, really, I, I, and I challenge you to do this, uh, and Ray and I are, are we're not 100% there yet, but we probably live 90% of our life is spent uh, not on credit. You know, there's probably that 10% that we'll spend on credit if we go out, brothers, for points, but we try very hard that if we don't have it in our account, and spend our spendable account, not our savings account, another thing I encourage you to do, have a separate bank where you put money away where you don't have a debit card to. 
So, I mean, if you have automatic debit coming out of your account, there's a certain amount of my check that goes to a bank, a trust, Mark, Mark Trust, whatever that bank is out here. It was another bank in New York. I moved it out here. As a, I don't have an ATM card. I don't have checks. I just know that a portion of that goes there. It, it would take a lot for me to go get money out of that account, and I did that on purpose. Right, so if we need something, then we have our main account. If you have something that you need, if you don't see it there, don't spend it. I mean, unless God is telling you to do something amazing. <laughs> Other than that, don't do it, right? Because you're putting yourself in debt, right? Don't think the credit card, the credit card rates are high, 12%, 13%, 15%. I've seen people paying 20-something percent on a credit card. Brutal. Know how much your credit card interest is. Go home, look it up, call. When's the last time you called? Because credit card rates constantly rise without telling you, and they're not obligated to tell you. They'll raise it up, and before you know it, you're paying 20-something percent because you are 20 minutes late on paying the bill, and that rate goes straight up. Know how much you're paying. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 27, don't withhold repayment of your debt. Man, this Bible is good. I love this Bible. This thing called the Bible is amazing. I mean, it's just, it just, it's clear. Don't withhold repayment of your debts. Don't say some other time if you can pay it now. But I got to go get my cheesecake factory. No, that's not what the Bible says. I got to get my ribs. That's not what the Bible says. I saw these shoes on sale. If I don't, no, no, not, it says don't withhold repayment. If you have the ability to pay it off, pay it off. You want to get out of debt? I mean, the Bible's given us the perfect plan to get debt free and to build wealth. There's another scripture I want to give you. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Say that with me. Read this together. What does it say? Pay what? All your debts except the debt of love for others. Never finish paying that. He says, the King James Version says, owe no man but to love him. So he says, only debt, you know, you know uh, uh, the bank said there's good debt and bad debt, hogwash, all debt is bad. The only good debt is the debt of love. That's the only good debt there is. He's the only thing that you should owe is that I owe Rob some more love. I owe you some love, Rob. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. I owe Rob some love. I, 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 don't, I shouldn't owe anyone else, right? He says, owe no man but to love them. Pay all your debts except the debt of love for others. Man, that's clear. It is not the will of God for you to live in debt. This world system is built on debt. It's structured around debt. It can't survive without debt. Banks need debt in order to survive. But at the same time, it becomes a yoke to you as a believer, right? It is not the will of God. Student loans are the highest. It, it is torturous on what's going on uh, with student loans. It's costing people $60,000, $80,000 to get a degree. And when they come out, they can't find a job even comparable enough to pay to get rid of the debt and have a living. Debt is not the will of God. So you got to live this by faith, and you got to believe God to bring you out of debt. But listen, it's not going to happen overnight. It's little by little, little by little, God will bring you out. You start here. And when he sees that you're a good steward over what you have, He'll start increasing what you have. When he sees you're making an effort to do that, this is God, I'm believing in the next one year, two years, that I'm going to be completely debt-free. Now, if you got tons of debt, don't believe I'm, listen, I'm not saying God cannot give you a miracle. Don't go and pass it. No, that's not what I'm saying. He can give you a miracle and wipe out your debts. I believe in those instances I've heard when people have gotten miraculously out of debt. But if you still have bad patterns, 
your bad patterns will put you back into debt. You still don't know how to control your spending, it'll put you back in the debt. Amen? All right, so Romans 13 and 8 says, pay all your debts, accept the debt of love for others, never finish paying debt. That's the only debt that you should be in, right? All right, number six, we're almost there. It says, budget your spending. Right? I said that already. Budget your spending. Have a, a, a spending budget every week. Don't just spend frivolously. I got my check. I'm just going to spend it until my car gets declined. <laughs> I'm just going to go swipe it until it goes, eh. <laughs> no, no. He says, that's not, that, that's, not, that's not being a good steward. He said in Proverbs 21 and 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, and as surely as the haste leads to what? Poverty. Right? Planning out. Have a plan of action. Because when you hastily go and you start just spending, spending, spending. I like it. I just like it. I know I got money now. I don't know how much I need for the rest of the month or the rest of the week, but I like it. I don't know how much bills I got for the month, but I like this. He says haste will always lead you to poverty. And we want to make sure that RCC has some rich people in here. Amen? Financially stable. Because we, we have kingdom work to do. And I need y'all wealthy. I need you wealthy. <laughs> I need you wealthy. I need you prosperous and just living it up so that, listen, when we say it's seed time, I don't have to worry about what the offering is. I say, I got some wealthy people in here. I know they're just going to sow. They're going to sow liberally. They're debt-free. They owe no one but to love God, love each other, love God. And, man, we're just going to have an awesome offering. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. I'm going to leave that alone. Seven, enjoy what you have. The last one, enjoy what you have. And this, is, this sounds simple, but it's, it's so important. And I love the scripture in Hebrews 13, verse 5 through 6. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. You see that? Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. We all would like the new designer jeans and, you know, have the newest kicks and all that stuff. My kids always want new stuff. I always tell them, well, create a business so you can buy your own stuff. Come up with an idea so you can get your own stuff. You can buy whatever you want, right? But don't be obsessed with getting more material things, but be relaxed with what you have. In other words, live in a state of thankfulness because it's the desire for more stuff that continues to mess us up and we get into debt because people want stuff they can't afford. Right? And how dangerous is that? They have cars that they cannot afford. I have a, uh, someone I know, and, and they have a, a very nice vehicle. And I'm like, man, that's a nice car, you know. So we're close enough to ask how much they're paying. And I'm like, oh, they're, I'm paying five something. I said, you paying 500 and something dollars for that car? They said, well, how much you pay for yours? I said, 100 and something dollars a month. I said, I said no, I don't, I don't. But people's ignorance. You know, because they want, they, they, they want to look, and it wasn't no Mercedes, no Jaguar, it was a regular car, and they're, because they want to look a certain way and have all the tinted windows and the special rims, <laughs> and, was, and, and believe me, they can't afford it. Now, if you can afford it more, that's great, but they could not afford that. And here it is, they're living above their means trying to make other people happy. You know, working in banking, if we saw someone walk in with a BMW and they looked all tight and they had their Chanel bag, that's the person that we knew most likely would never get approved for a loan. Because we figured, man, they're probably living way above their means. 
But the average Joe that would come in that didn't look like he had money, for the most time, most part, they came in, knew their stuff, we say they got a good chance of getting. So don't be fooled by people who have stuff, making you feel like you need to get stuff. Come on, it's not a stuff competition, right? Some people make you feel like, well, they drive it, they must be doing better. No, 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 the person driving the Mercedes next to you doesn't mean they're doing better than you. You don't know what they got to do to pay that, that note every single month. Some people live in houses that they cannot afford. You don't know what they got to do to pay that note every month, and you don't know how many people are in close to foreclosure, right? Because they're living above their means. And he says, don't be obsessed with getting more stuff. He says, but be relaxed with what you have since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what or who or what can get to me. I'm fearless. Right? So learning to be content. He said this, uh, the uh, Apostle Paul says, be content in everything that you find yourself, whatever situation. Right? Because I'm working on something. Somebody say, I'm working on something. All right? So, so these, seven, these seven rules, these seven laws for a healthy finance, you got some homework to do, all right? I love this, I love this quote by uh, Dave Ramsey. If you've never heard of Dave Ramsey, you definitely want to look Dave Ramsey up. He is amazing. And he says, when you're trying to achieve a goal, negative people will just bring you down. Surround yourself with the positive. Right? Some people say, you, you're trying to save, you, you don't want to go out, girl, you treat yourself. No, don't treat yourself. Treat yourself to God of debt. <laughs> treat yourself, girl. <laughs> I, would love, I would love to go on a cruise right now. Right? But I'm tucking money away for college. I, I mean, I, I got some stuff that are more important than me going on a cruise at this stage of my life, right? Uh, uh, that there's more things that are more important than me. I would love. Now, somebody else that's worked hard, they're retired, they, they can do that, right? They put the time in, that's great. Their kids are grown, they're great, right? But in my phase of life, it's, that's, not, that's not wise. Can Ray and I do it? Of course, we can cruise it up if we wanted to. We can, we can pull it and cruise it up and just lay out the red crew, royale crew, whatever it is, we can do it. But it wouldn't be wisdom. Right? So, so, so you have to sometimes hold back on today's luxuries so that you can enjoy tomorrow. Does that make sense to you? Hold back on today's luxuries so you can enjoy tomorrow. Uh, there's two books that I want to suggest that you read, and I'm really done. Uh, and we're going to pray over your finances. Uh, one is by Dave Ramsey called The Total Money Makeover. He is a Christian financial counselor. He, and when I say he's saved, he's like save, save. Like, right? You've heard him before? No, he's save, save. Like, he loves God, and he's on uh, CNBC and the secular channels, and he's not ashamed of his faith at all. But he gives biblical principles on getting your money together and coming out of debt. And then not only coming out of debt, but making sure that you're saving for the future, wherever you find yourself. And then the second book, which I definitely recommend, I've read this, uh, somebody recommended this years, probably 20 years ago. I, have a, I keep a copy of it. I refer to it often, The Richest Man in Babylon. Has anybody read that book? The Richest Man in Babylon. Has anybody ever heard the book? You heard of it. Okay. All right. What? The what? All right. So let us know how it is after you finish. <laughs> the Richest Man in Babylon is a, is, a, is a classic. It came out. It's an old book, but it's a small, easy read. And the other thing you have to learn to do is if you want God to do something in you financially, start educating yourself on that. I know people don't like to educate themselves financially, but it's important to do that because guess what? Every day you live in a world that is 
that you have money, you gotta know how to manage, you don't have to be a financial guru, right? But you wanna know how to do it. And again, I just gave you so many great scriptures that God tells you how to manage your money. I mean, what a great money management book that is. We talk about the Bible. The Bible tells you how to manage your money. I mean, if you just take the scriptures that I've given you today, your finances will turn around. Amen? Amen. Uh, I, I love this, this, this last slide. God's will is good. God's will is pleasing. And God's will is perfect. Right? And he wants, he cares. You can close your Bibles. And Rob, if you could just come up. He cares about the total you. Not just the sum of you, but the total you. And I'm believing God that as you begin to make the efforts to clear out your debts, that God's going to begin to supernaturally do some things to speed up the process for you. And I'm believing God for supernatural testimonies. Come on. Testimonies are how God cleared out because you started getting stuff in order. Amen. Come on. You started getting stuff in order. And God will bless you when you set things right. God will bless you when you desire to live right according to the word of God. And I'm talking about total debt-free, mortgage debt-free, everything. God wants, he says, oh, no man, but what? But to love him. The only debt that you stand to your feet that you're going to have is what? The debt of love. Come on, I should have I titled this the debt of love, right? The debt of love, that's it. When Jackie gets her millions, <laughs> look at her brother Ben. Amen. <laughs> the curse. Yes. Right. What? God's going to increase. So the Bernadette gets her millions. Come on. All, all, all this increase. Right. To establish covenant. Right. God wants to do this to establish covenant. He doesn't want you spiritually strong and financially ignorant. He wants you spiritually strong and financially strong at the same time. Amen. And the enemy attaches you, attacks you with finances. Messing with your finances can be stressful. Stressful. Working two, three jobs just to try to pay. Stressful. It's not the will of God for you to be stressed. Most divorces happen over money. Money. Finances. But God has a plan for that. He says, hey, you be diligent, and what I'm telling you to be diligent in, you be a, a consistent sower, you manage and work and get out of debt, you make sure you're saving for the future, you make sure that you realize that I am your supplier, that I will never leave you out there, I'll never let you go out there and swim in the deep and let you drown, I'll never do that to you, but I've also made you a steward. I put something in your hand. What are you going to do with what I put in your hand? I made you a steward. A steward over a portion. A steward over finances. Your check is not about your check. It's about what can you do with what I've given you. What can you do with what I've given you? What can you do with what I've given you? Your lifestyle is not contained to your weekly check. Can I say it again? Your lifestyle does not have to be contained to your weekly check. But my God shall supply all of my needs. Come on, come on. I need you to think bigger. I need you to think bigger. But my God shall supply all of my needs. But my God shall supply all of my needs. 
Right now, we're in a service one time, and the word of the Lord came to us, and a man of God spoke a word. He said, God has given you seven streams of income. And I said, Lord, I thank you for all seven. Seven different streams of income. And I speak to you that God's going to give you multiple streams of income. Come on, I need somebody to receive that. That God's going to give you multiple streams of income. That your job is not your source. Your job is your assignment. That's all it is. But Jesus is your source. I said Jesus is your source. Jesus is your source. And today we come against every debt. We decree that this is the beginning of debt cancellation in your life. We speak school debts, home debts, credit card debts. We decree and declare that God has given you wisdom and a strategy and insight to cancel out debts in your life. And you will owe no man but to love him. But to love him. Thank you, God, that you are giving them the discipline that it takes to walk this out. Give them the discipline that it takes to see this to the end. We thank you, God, that what the enemy intended to do with their debts to stress them and to make them get aggravated and give up and live below their means, we cancel that in the name of Jesus. But we release the power of the blessing upon their life. We release the power of the blessing upon their life. We release the power of the blessing upon their life. We speak the blessing that we are blessed. We are blessed. We speak it. We are blessed. We are blessed people. We are a blessed people. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Come on, when you wake up, you got to say, I'm blessed. When you lay down, you got to say, I'm blessed. When I go to lunch, I'm blessed. When I get in the car, I'm blessed. Come on, come on. When I'm walking down the street, I speak, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I am blessed. Come on, begin to speak it. I am blessed. Woo! Hallelujah. I am blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.